there. This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I think art and creativity make life worth living, and I love to talk to people who do that, um, whether they're getting rich from it or whether they're doing it because they love it. I just think it's all what we live for. So today my guest is a photographer, Gabriel Goldberg. He's an old friend of mine. I first met him when he was working at a magazine called Genre. Remember Genre? Uh, I was writing for it. He was working there. This was in the 90s. We became friends. We collaborated on a few different things. Over the years, he's photographed different uh, projects for me, and I've loved watching him grow as a photographer. And he has this really awesome Instagram account where he has his photos of sexy guys called Hollywood Bruisers, and he's taking 21 of those images and turning it into his first ever gallery show in Provincetown. It's called Coming of Age, and it shows from August 11th to the 19th at the E. Lesh Gallery in Provincetown. So if you're there, you can go to the gallery show, and if not, you can just enjoy his work on Instagram. I was so excited to talk to him about how he does what he does behind the camera. Before we get to that, I want to remind you there are now two ways you can listen to Dennis Anyone. You can listen as you always do on your favorite podcast app, or if you're really special, you can become a subscriber to DNR Studios. And for $12.95 a month, you get access to my show 48 hours early, and you also get all these other great shows like Tom Gossett's show, Perfect Date, The Focus Group, The Adam Sank Show, Derek and Romaine. There's so many great shows uh, on the app. And um, you can learn more about that at dnrstudios.com. I also want to let you know I have a voicemail for the show. If you ever want to leave a voicemail, I might play it on the show. And that number is 1-888-647-9653. And you can also email me through my website, DennisAnyone.net. All right, that's enough of the plugs. Here now is the interview with photographer Gabriel Goldberg. Joining me now from a gorgeous green sofa somewhere in Los Angeles, it's photographer Gabriel Goldberg. I want that sofa, Gabriel. What's the story with it? Hi, Dennis. Hi, welcome. Um, Thank you. Is is it for sale? Can I bid on anything I see in the Zoom room? (laughs) I suppose you could. So this green sofa, I actually did a job in Beverly Hills, and they had a green velvet sofa and a black and white rug in this gorgeous living room in this gorgeous house, and I was obsessed with it. And for two years, I kind of coveted and always thought about this green velvet sofa, which I had taken a picture of on my phone and was always come back to it. And when I moved into my new apartment here in 2017, I said, screw it, I'm going to get a green velvet sofa. And I did. And I love it. It's not the most comfortable sofa, but it looks great. It's amazing looking, and you look great on it. And uh, I love that you made that happen. It was on your dream board, and you made it happen. I like those things that you can't stop thinking about until you own it. Um, so, Gabriel, you're a photographer, and you're doing your first ever gallery show um, in Provincetown. What's what's the story with the show? What's it called? So it's called Coming of Age. It's at the E-Lash Gallery in Provincetown, and it's right off of Commercial Street, which is the main drag in P-Town. Um, it is my first show. I got an email uh, message from Eric, who is the owner of the gallery, and he said, hey, I've been loving your work for a really long time. I'm a big fan. Would you ever consider doing a show? Now, mind you, that same week, I got another email from another gallerist asking the same thing. And Dennis, I've never, no one has ever approached me about doing a show. I didn't even really think about it. I just take these photos and I put them on Instagram and people seem to like them and that's kind of where they live. Um, so when he asked me, I was flattered and surprised, and I was like, yeah, I think this would be really fun. So it's called Coming of Age because the work features a bunch of pictures. First of all, it features it's 21 photos. I came out when I was 21, so that's why there's 21 photos. And these photos kind of represent sort of touchstones of my own coming of age, of me discovering my sexuality um, discovering the things, sort of like the seeds of desire that were planted in my growing gay brain at that time, sort of the the late 80s when I was like 16, 17 years old. There are nostalgic kind of touches in these yeah. photos that, yeah. that, kind of, that kind of tweak my coming-of-age buttons as well. There's some short shorts. Um, there's there's shorts, some yeah. stashes that are a little bit not so uh, now. They're a little retro. I feel like you and I have similar um, sort of uh, gay desire touchstones, if you will, in that um, that's there's an era that we both like, and I know that. Um, yes. 
And I'm, I'm, I love mustaches and I've always loved mustaches and I'm not exactly sure where the mustache like enjoyment came from other than the fact that I remember my first cult, uh, mag cult studios magazine, right. Uh, with photographer, Jim French, his work of like, you know, these bodybuilders and these beautiful guys and, it was, you know, it was erotic photography. And I just remember I was 16 years old the first time I saw one of his magazines and the guy on the cover had a mustache. And I'm assuming that's where it came from. Um, and I was hooked at that point. And then, of course, Tom of Finland, I discovered later, which was another North Star of desire. Right. For, for, you know, the things that I liked. And I feel like this, the Hollywood Bruiser's work is all about sort of trying to recapture that time period from the late seventies into the early to mid eighties. That's kind of my sweet spot of the aesthetic that I love and the vibe that I like to sort of try to recapture. Well, I think you do it beautifully. And I always know when a a photo is yours, there's something about it. And I'm like, Oh, that's a Gabriel photo. And I've followed your work for a long time. We've been friends for a long time, but there's always like, there's a beautiful model and it's beautifully lit and it's, you know, well-conceived. And, but there's a little twist. There's that little Gabriel thing. Like, what if we made him hold a wrench or he's going to, he's going to arch his back in a way that's slightly too much. Like, what do you, do you know I what I'm that. talking about? What is that thing? So, well, I mean, I think that thing comes from, um, the two inspirations that made me want to become a photographer, which was later in life, were Annie Leibovitz and David LaChapelle. And a lot of their work, there's, you know, there's concepts behind it. There's a sense of humor, certainly, to a lot of David LaChapelle's work. Um, and there, it's a production. I like a little bit of a wink. I like a little bit of a sense of humor to it. I don't want it to be so serious. I look back on that on those images from that time. And it's a very, it's like fun for me. It makes me smile. Those pictures make me smile. And so I kind of want that same sort of sense of whimsy, a little bit of fun as for arching their back too much. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 you get your models into positions that um, are a little exaggerated, right? So yeah, I tend to overpose and I always tell people, I'm sorry, I'm going to overpose you. And then uh, I'll try to like have them bring it back to a little more regular normal pose but i i show the guys a lot of like inspiration images that are of women of of women in photos and i tend to pose guys which is interesting because everyone's i get a lot of comments of like you really like capture the masculinity of it but like sometimes the reference photo that we're referencing is actually a woman yeah that's linda evangelista glad you think it's full of testosterone but that's interesting (laughs) well some of those kind of interesting angles and those kind of high fashion angles that are that are beautiful, but slightly unnatural, right? There's something about them. Yeah. And I just, you know, ultimately my goal is I want the guys that I photograph to look at the pictures and sort of think, yeah, I, I do me. Like I just, (laughs) (laughs) yes, they all would. You make everyone so sexy. At the end of the day, I just want them to look good and I want them to, to feel sexy and look sexy. And I want to put that little bit of beauty out into the world because it's, you know, it's a nonstop barrage of insanity out there. And right. If I can just put a picture out into the world that makes someone smile or makes someone go, wow, that's really pretty. Yeah. Then, then that's what I want. And your, your photos aren't just capturing something beautiful. You're capturing a moment. They're alive. Like sometimes somebody will have a goofy look on their face or something's happening, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that something that you strive for consciously? Yeah, I think that there are caught moments that happen during a shoot that aren't always planned that I tend to love. Uh, I'm very bossy behind the camera, and every model that I've shot is always like, I love your direction because I get really excited uh, when I like something, and so the model will know it because I'll be shooting. I'll be like, oh, my God, that looks amazing. Don't move right there. And, you know, they end up laughing because I'm very animated behind the camera. But I do think that the minute, like... The model's personality comes out. That's like the thing, right? There's like that little spark of like, that's who they are. And also my shoots, the, the shoots that I do with Hollywood Bruisers, I talk to these guys and I say, what are your hobbies? What are you into? What do you like? What's your favorite movie from like, you know, your teens? Like, what was that one thing? Who was your childhood crush that you couldn't get enough of? Um, what was the poster that you wanted on your wall, but it was of a guy and you couldn't have it because, you know, people would know you were gay. And I do tend to shoot 
I think 99.9% of the guys that I shoot are gay. And so, I kind of like, like that. It's nice. Have you ever recreated a guy's fantasy poster using the guy? I did do the Fair Fawcett poster with my friend Kevin. Um, you know, the famous Farrah Fawcett. Of course. Poster. I noticed on one of your pictures, there's that Serape, that Farrah Fawcett Serape. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a nod to Farrah. Yeah. Actually, the company that gave that to me, Bang Clothing, um, they based it off of that uh, that towel that was, or that blanket that was behind her. Right. Um, but I, I do want to do a series of that because those posters from like the 80s that were so iconic or those moments of like, um, what was her name from Fast Times coming out of the... B.B. Cates coming B. out of the Cates. pool in the red bikini. Or, right. Or um, um, Kelly LeBrock in uh, Weird Science. You yes. Know, she's like in the doorway. Like, I want to recreate those moments with boys because we didn't... Ha- I didn't have that girl. I didn't... I had Gregory Harrison in a black Speedo that had a Z on it for the movie for ladies only. For ladies only, which was a lot, but we could have used more. Like, we're not dissing that. That was amazing. No, that was great. That yeah. was amazing. When you are directing a model, what words do you use? What do you say a lot? Um, I tell them to think about either their boyfriend or a lover. Right. That they like. I tend to, I use a phrase a lot that tends to make people laugh, but I say, look at me like you're either going to fuck me or kill me, and I don't know which. Right. Uh, (laughs) That tends to get the look that I want. Um, And I use, like, uh, you know, if if I want something that's softer, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll start using things like a little more dreamy, like just pretend you're Bambi. And there's a butterfly going by you. And it's just like, it's, it's, I try to use visualizers for them versus just saying, okay, now just go over there and be sexy. Cause right. sexy is, you know, different yeah. things to different people. Right. And it doesn't, as a word, it doesn't really mean anything because it means everything. Right. So, um, yeah. Or I'll talk about like, remember the first time you were in a public locker room and you saw like a man, like someone who was your type naked or even just anywhere and you saw a guy naked for the first time what was that like what was that feeling like i want that on your face i'm really into faces like above all else someone's face is the thing that makes me either want to photograph them or not and so a lot of the guys they're not real models that i shoot they're just people that whose faces i've been drawn to and and they happen to have great bodies sure um, I do. I do have a type. Where do you find them? Instagram or out in the world? Do you ever approach a waiter and say, "Hey, would you like to be photographed?" I have no. I did. A, I asked a guy at the pavilions two weeks ago in the produce section. <laughs> nice peaches, <laughs> by the way. He was, right. He picked out some apples. And, right. How uh, do you like them apples? Was the how do you like them? Apples? Yeah. And he had this great mustache, and he was like probably five foot eight, maybe five foot seven. And he just, he was wearing tight shorts, gray shorts. And I was like, okay, please don't take this the wrong way. I'm a photographer. And I pulled up my Instagram and I showed him. And, but normally it's on Instagram now, just because yeah. that's where everybody is. Yeah. Well, one yeah. of my favorite Instagram hotties is in your exhibit and is you've photographed him since I started following him. So that? I may have manifested him for you. Um, should, we, should we call it out or you don't sure, want Sure, I don't mind. I think his name is Dylan Cassidy. And I follow him on Instagram because he plays tennis. He also is a musician. He used to be a dancer. I've I've gone. I've scrolled back. Oh, you did a deep dive. I did a deep dive once you discover him because I like the hobbies. I like the hobbies. But he's also very into his tush. Like he used to do hobbies, and now it's like I'm just going to work on my ass. Um, It's spectacular. (laughs) And it's spectacular. So, um, what can you tell me about him? And what can you tell me about that shoot? He asked me actually. He said, "I'm going to be in LA, and um, or there's I, I actually I can't remember if I approached him originally or not. Right, might have been like a year and a half ago. Um, but we, um, the concept was like you know the basement of your mom's house, and you're working out, and um, you're trying to get buff because you're you know you're." Older brother is bringing all his hot college friends home for spring break. Sort of oh thing. my god! Um, <laughs> so he's really got a goal in mind. There's re- it's very goal centric. I give Seriously. them all characters to play. I mean, I sometimes that's so I'll interesting. Flesh it out. Yeah, because I want them to you know have fun and sort of right. feel the role. Um, he was great. First of all, he's as tall as I am. He's a big. Guy. Oh, he's really tall. I'm okay, three. So he's six three. Interesting. Um, all right, and just like goofy. Yeah. 
like he's young and he was he's goofy and he's funny and he's silly and he's much i think he's kind of comes across as silly but i think he's sillier in person and yeah we got some cool sort of eye-popping images from that you make everyone look amazing and i what are, what is it like when they see the photos how what kind of reactions do you get how do cuz i know a lot of times i remember just taking photos kind of dabbling in photography and you would sometimes take the most beautiful picture and the person would be like oh i don't like my nose like cuz you yeah. all of their stuff so comes up and you're like no you're fucking beautiful and they're like well my fa- i could have should have i shouldn't have eaten that day like people can be hard on themselves what is that moment like when you show them the pictures Okay, I'm going to do this in the reverse. So, yeah, flip it. First of all, what you just touched on is such a thing that I notice. And if a, so, if a person doesn't like their nose, if they're if they think their ears stick out, if they think their like chin is too big, yeah, it doesn't matter if it is the most beautiful photo that anyone has ever taken of them. They will zone in on that one thing that they don't like about themselves. And it will ruin the entire photo, which is such a bummer because it hurts your heart. You kind of can't see the forest for the trees. You yes. know what I mean? They're just looking at the one bush that's burning that yeah. they hate. There's a lot of reaction of, I don't see myself like that. Meaning yeah. the guys that I photograph, I try to like, I'm, I'm, I'm photographing the fantasy man version of them that's in my head. Yes. They and it's a little themselves. bit heightened. It's a little yeah. bit turned up to 11. Yeah. That's what's exciting about it. And they don't see themselves like that. No. Because you can't see yourself the way someone else does. No. Um, and so I like, there's a lot of like, I, I, it's like, I know it's me, but I don't see myself like that. And it's a good thing. Right. Like I, for the most part, people are happy with <laughs> when we do a shoot. They're, they're happy with the pictures. Right. But I do find that a lot of men maybe it's gay men even the ones that you look at and you're like oh my gosh they're harder on themselves for the way they look than pe- people that are quote-unquote more average or whatever like sometimes you think gosh if i look like that i would walk around like uh, i was the hottest thing and you find sometimes there's there's a lot of um self-criticism right have you observed that oh yeah for sure yeah for sure. I, I i i yeah that's yeah it's shocking to me sometimes uh some of these guys who i look at and i'm like if I look like you, I would never wear clothes. Right. And, they, and all they do is like, well, my, you know, my calves are too small or right. like my pinky is too short. Like these weird things that they're, that they sort of beat themselves up about that nobody else would notice. And B, I wish I had small pinky if that was, means I look like you. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's um, hundreds of years of like gay is wrong. And us sort of internalizing all of that. Right. And trying to overcome that. And that's how it comes out. Like, we're never good enough. Right. No matter if you look perfect in your brain, you're still not good enough. Yeah. It's really interesting. We first met in the 90s, and you were working for a magazine, and you had editorial Uh writing. You were working for Genre, and then you started Instinct, and um, that was very exciting, a very exciting time, and you were editor. What what was it that made you want to transition from words to pictures? Okay, first of all, we met at a screening, and you introduced yourself, and I had just read your cover story in Detour Magazine of Sandra Bullock, and I fanboyed out and told you, I I was like, oh, my God, I know exactly who you are. I read your articles. I love your articles. Well, you love celebrity culture and magazines and stuff like that. Like, you were into it, and that was was exciting. It was exciting to meet somebody that followed it and read it. Yeah. Yeah. That would you have been everyone back then. Yeah, um, that would have been like ninety-five, something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think Instinct was great um, fun because I got to do everything. Um, you I were was, re- literally running everything. I remember that. That was a lot of work, and you pulled it off. Was, there was a. I was an editorial team of one, right? Um, and uh, so I got to do everything, and so I edited it plus. Art directed it with our art director and then um, came up with all the concepts for covers and photo shoots. And we didn't have a budget at all. So I would go on set with the photographer and sort of help out in any way that I could. I was right. slash PA slash, you know, hold the light over here, hold the reflector. Um, and I think that got, gave me my first taste with like what it was like to be a photographer and what it was like on set. Right. Um, but I, I've always been a lover of visuals. And when I was in high school, I wanted to be a cinematographer. Um, and I applied to the USC film school, but to get in, um, 
so yeah, so I studied English and became a writer slash editor and then I just got here the long way, you know, the long road. Well, I remember when you went to uh, to art school to become a photographer and yeah, art, director, yeah. art director. Yeah, that was exciting. But did it feel like a leap? Did it feel like a leap of faith? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, when I applied to Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, I had a portfolio of like 10 images that were terrible. And when they told me they got in, I was like, oh, okay, you guys just want my money. This isn't about talent. <laughs> you must not be reputable. Oh. Yeah, but they, you know, they, they saw something. They must have seen something. Uh, they must have saw something. Um, and I learned a lot. I dropped out after five terms because uh, I couldn't afford it. But I learned how to use strobes. I learned how to sort of like hone a concept uh, and come up with a with like a striking visual image. They sort of taught me the visual language of and how to speak it. Um, even though I already had ideas in my head because of instinct. Right. Um, yeah. So um, it wasn't too tough of a transition, actually. Right. Because they, they but, kind but of go together. It's a lot harder than writing. Like in terms of a skill set, uh, I feel like writing, if you have a good editor, you're, you know, you're on pretty solid ground. Photography, there's like math and I suck at math and you have to do like lighting ratios. And it's... I mean, it took me four years just to learn the difference between uh, the f-stop and the shutter speed, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> which is the most basic, you right. know, uh, like the most basic part of photography. I don't know yeah, what that I'm is. Not a technical. I am not a technical photographer. People ask me technical questions all the time, and I'm like, all right, here's the deal. I can do a six-light setup. I can do an eight-light setup. But if you ask me, like, what density is that filter or what's the, you know – the the minimum length that that lens has to be on in order for it to be in the sweet spot. I don't know. What are your earliest memories of photography? Do you remember having a little camera or like I remember having a ViewMaster and being like, "Ooh, this is kind of interesting." Like ViewMaster, that thing where you go click. Yeah, click. and the yeah, the yeah, images yeah. would go through. Is there something when you look back at your childhood and you think, "Oh, this makes sense." I spent half my childhood in a hospital because I had open heart surgery twice by the time I was four. Right. So watched a lot of movies as a kid, young, young kid, to sort of like take my mind off of being in pain all the time. Yeah. Um, so that is probably where like the visuals came from and my love of visuals. Which ones really captured your imagination? I mean, uh, Star Wars. Star Wars, it's all good. You love Star Wars. Yeah, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. Uh, I have an unlikely celebrity crush and you photographed him and he is on your website and he's hot, but he's, some people would not be like, oh yeah, but I, I follow him on Instagram because I think he's so hot. Um, Ian Ziering. (laughs) I have such a crush on Ian Ziering. I get it. He's not Luke or Jason. He's the other guy on 90210. Yeah. But I like him. He's aging well. I like the shape of his face. He's got a body. He was a Chippendale for a while. I'm into it. He was a Chippendale. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, Very nice guy. Yeah. Uh, I went to his house. This was, um, I want to say, like, early 2010s? Yeah. Maybe 2013? Sure. Really nice guy. Cool house in one of the canyons. Wife was really nice. I just remember being really, really nice and easygoing, and he loved the photos. And it was just like headshot portraits and right. stuff. It was nothing complicated. Um, yeah, so that's – so I don't know. You'll be happy to know he was very nice. Yeah. Um, who's your unlikely celebrity crush? Mine is I Ray know. Romano. I oh love Ray. <laughs> I know. I think he's so sexy and cute. I'm into it. I mean, Mark Ruffalo, I feel like a lot of people have a crush yeah. on Mark Ruffalo. But you got to shoot him. I did. And he was honestly so incredibly nice. And he hung out after the shoot and just like chilled with us. He's like, I have 20 minutes before my next interview. Can I just hang out? My assistant was like, I think Brittany was like 28 at the time, 29. And she was beside herself freaking out. She right. Um, and I think that sort of solidified my crush on him a little bit more. Yeah. But looking at your website, you've shot Kate Blanchett. You've shot Jennifer Lopez. Your J-Lo pictures, I love to look at Jennifer Lopez. It's like a hobby of mine. Um, what was it like to look at her and photograph her through the lens? Um, I was nervous as hell. I can imagine. I 
probably was shaken for a good, you know, one or two minutes when we started. She was very down to earth and very nice and very so professional. Right. Um, and I just remember uh, she there was a hair and makeup team, and I don't think it was her usual team. And we didn't have that much time. I think I had 40 minutes with her. Right. And, Ray Liotta, and then I'd shoot them together in the solos. Right. So it was maybe like 45 minutes, the whole thing. And um, she was doing this pose, and it was really good. And the hair, and I was, you know, ready, and the hair guy was like doing something. And I was like, okay, hold that. That's amazing. Don't move, don't move, don't move. And she just kind of breaks and goes, okay, look, when he says that's amazing, you just jump out of the picture. Okay, thanks. And then she goes right back into the pose. And in my head, I'm like, holy shit, JLo has my back. And I kind of like pee. Yes, she just JLo'd <laughs> a little bit. She just JLo'd a little all over but, the place. Super nice. We had a conversation afterwards while she was like her team was sort of getting everything ready and she was just hanging out. And honestly, all of the celebrities that I've shot have been they have been great. Yes. They've been just delightful and wonderful. And and, I mean, I hate using the word normal, but they're they're just people. You shot Jane Fonda, uh, an icon. Yes, we had a moment where she listened to my heart and I got to feel her hip because she had had a hip replacement. <laughs> so, so you, you had, were comparing replacement body yeah, parts? Yeah, we were, we were talking about our biotic body parts, yeah. I love she, it. She brought her dog to the shoot and the dog just chilled in his bed the whole time. Just super cool and she was wonderful. Yeah, Kate Blanchett. Lovely. What was Kate Blanchett like? Fantastic, dirty sense of humor. Nice. Fun. Um, I don't even remember her walking into the room. I just feel like she glided in on like on just a cloud and like above the ground. Um, just fun and sassy. Yeah. And like I, we took a couple photos after the shoot together, and in four of them, she's just pulling faces, and then in one, she kind of like turned on, and it's amazing. But she like, gave you your Blanchett moment. She totally gave a Blanchett moment, and you. And it's funny, like. When you meet these people and you all you have is like these, you know, 30-foot image of them on a screen, right? right. Or 20-foot image of them on a screen. And then they're there in front of you. They still are larger than life even though they're human size. And it's, I don't know, the, that sort of thing that people talk about, the X factor, the if factor, whatever it right. is. People, there are certain people that they have it. And when you see it, you're like, holy shit. It's real. Yeah. Like, Jennifer Lopez literally glowed. She's lit from within. She glows, yeah. Yeah, amazing. But I would imagine, I've had this as a journalist, where you only have this amount of time, you got to get it. you got to get it. And they're out. And it's a little bit nerve-wracking, right? Is that what the experience is like for you? Yeah. I mean, I had four minutes with Lady Gaga. We had to do two setups. Totally professional, totally great. It was her and Diane Warren. Right. like... In four minutes, you have to do two setups, and that's not a lot of time. No. Um, and it is. And there's, you know, 15 people behind you just watching, sort of waiting. Yeah. And it's not like you're shooting for a cover of Vogue, so the photos aren't, you know, mind-blowing in any way. Right. But it's there's so much pressure because you have to deliver for the magazine that you're shooting for. You have to make them look good. And, you know, God forbid, like, the publicist is behind you looking at the monitor going, um, no, this isn't going to work, which never happened, but, like... But you always live in fear that it could. Yeah. Yeah. There's one celebrity that I... One actress that I photographed, and her publicist almost made me cry on set before the actress showed up, and the shoot sucked because I totally lost confidence. Yeah. What, what could th- they showed up and they were sort of like menacing and sort of like you better not screw it up or like just intimidating? Um, basically, the words out of her mouth were, um, I heard you had ideas and she put ideas in quotes. Oh, and it was- <laughs> that's going to be the title of this podcast because I always pull a quote for an episode. I love I want to I can make that a meme. I, I love bullshit Hollywood lingo. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's a kind of bitchy one. But yeah. Well, let's hear your ideas. Right. right. Oh. I showed her, you know, the drawings that I had done. Yeah. Had to, like, you know, sketch out the ideas, you know, certainly for the art director to see. And and she was like, no, no, no. And so I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, I don't have a shoot then. Because, right. Like, she just strapped on my ideas. The we were going to do. Yeah. Right. So anyway, the celebrity showed up. The actress showed up. She was... She's like, so let's look at it. And then she worked it out with me. And we ended up, like, coming up with something together that was even better. Right. That worked. The magazine used it. was great. But, like, it's a very, like, 
ball shrinking experience when someone <laughs> who, yes. who, you know, is like in charge of someone who's really kind of, you know, famous comes in as like, uh-huh, so what do you think you're going to do? And right. you're like, um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm no, but nobody knows who I am as a photographer. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, my balls went inside my body. It, these things happen sometimes. At the end of the day, I kind of enjoy shoe photographing regular people. Yeah, I enjoy interviewing regular people who are excited. Yeah, who are excited yeah. to be talked to, who are excited. Right. Versus, they want to be there. Yeah. yeah, versus the one who's like, okay, I've done four of these today. Yeah. I'll try to muster up some originality for right. you, but most of this can be canned. Yeah, I agree. Now, on your website, you've done some wonderful sort of corporate assignments and cool ad stuff. What what assignment was just a blast? Lowe's Hotels. Lowe's Hotels. Uh, Lowe's Hotels had me do a food and beverage campaign uh, called Flavor by Lowe's. And um, Dennis, they, I worked with the guys in New York uh, for the, on, this, on, the, on this team, this marketing team. And they basically said, so what, 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 do you, what do you think? This is what we want to do. We want it to be bright and colorful. What do you think? And I came up with the concept of what these pictures were going to be. And I sketched them out. And I would send them like three or four ideas, like drawing, actual drawings, and they would pick the one that they wanted. And it was like, I've talked to ad uh, art directors who are like, you're never going to have a job like this again, where you basically came up with the concept, came up with the look, photographed it, retouched it, and then sent it off to them. And they were and, delighted. I mean, we went to 22, I think I went to 22 of their hotels. I think they have 25 total. Um photographed these local vendors that the hotels had partnered with in and like these the inside of the hotel, but like it was like a heightened version of what you would find there. So like one of the guys was a farm to table, like, you know, he, the eggs were uh, farmed by him. I think some of the meat was, and we had him bring in a couple chickens. There was a couple goats, some pigs, and there were all these farm animals at the check-in desk at the hotel in um, that was in Nashville. Right, and so I'm doing a photo shoot with this guy and farm animals, and people are like checking in, yeah. While there's a goat, you know, on one of the bellhop, you know, carts uh, with some luggage. Right, you yeah. got goats and lobbies. Uh, me. Yeah, so <laughs> I have to go back to your website and look at that, at that campaign because it sounds like a, it was a lot of fun. Um, fun. Your gallery show is going to be in Provincetown. Have you spent much time there? Do you have a P-town um, passion? I have been there three times. Right. But here's the thing. I went to camp on Cape Cod when I was 13, 14. Right. Uh, it was called Cape Cod Camps. And my last year there, we did a trip up, a day trip up to Provincetown. Right. And this is one of my earliest gay memories was we were at a pizza parlor uh, off of Commercial Street. And I went up to get another slice. And this older fella who, you know, I was... 14 maybe and so he would have been i don't know maybe 28 29 30 i mean who knows back then but like right. he was a man looked down at me and smiled and i sm and i'm like full body tingles and asked if he could buy me a slice of pizza it wasn't sexual it wasn't anything like untoward it was right. just a nice sort of thing but in my head something like clicked right and I realized, oh, my gosh. I mean, I knew I was gay, but I was like, this is what it means. This is what it is. Like, this is what I like. Uh, so that was my first P-Town experience. Well, and isn't there a legendary there. pizzeria where people all go at, at the end of the night? I think it's still there. I think it's like Spiritus. Like, when you go right. there, it's going to be like the pizza place where everyone goes after the clubs. Huh. So you can recreate your your memory. <laughs> And then I was there in 2019 with Vakaya for like a day. And then I was there last year uh, in June for a week. And that was really fun. I love um, it. I really, it's, you know what's so great about it is it feels like 1984 and then it just stopped and they never sort of advanced beyond. And so the, the feel of the town feels like the early 80s, which, of course, for me, I love. It's, it's right nice. in your sweet spot. Vakaya is a company. It's a gay travel. They do gay destinations. What kind of work yeah, do you do for them? Good. Um, I photograph for their advertising and marketing materials. So um, I've been on, uh, you know, cruises to, we went to the Seychelles um, uh, earlier this year, um, Iceland, uh, the Caribbean, um, done a couple trips in, to Mexico. Uh, so I just photograph their guests while they're on the trips. 
And then they use those for their marketing and advertising materials. And it's a wonderful company because it's, they are all inclusive in terms of like, they want everyone, the entire rainbow of our community to feel welcome. So they market towards everybody and they try to sort of make everybody feel welcome versus, you know, maybe just one segment of our. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I want to go on one of those things. You go. I would. I would hey, love to. You used to work on a cruise ship. I do. And I miss, I miss that world. I want to go back. I love that stuff. I do. I love yeah. it. Um, who would you love to photograph? Is there somebody that's like on your uh, dream board as a photo subject? Yeah, but it's like retroactively. Sure. Madonna in like 1990 when she was at the height of her powers, like the Blonde Admission Tour. I yeah. think that would have been the ultimate person to photograph. She's very good in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, what are the qualities that you like in a model apart from the physical? What is it about a, a personality that's like, oh, they're great? Um, I think people who are just really comfortable being themselves and and comfortable in their own body um, and have a sense of humor. Because I love, like, my shoes are really fun. And I can't, we're constantly laughing, even though I think from the pictures you'd think it was very serious. But... Um, just someone who is up for trying, like if I say to try a stupid pose, they're going to do it, even if it might not work, right. you know, try something silly or will then do something silly on their own. They're not um, afraid to look silly. Yeah. Right. I think there's some guys that have shot and they take themselves very seriously and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I just, I like goofy. Like I like to say sexy fades, but goofy is forever. <laughs> I like that could be the title also. <laughs> you shoot a lot of sexy guys. The pictures are sexy. Does it feel sexy as it's happening? It's or does it depend? Unsexy. It's unsexy. It's not. My number, okay, the number two question I get is how do you, you know, um, are you allowed to say? Yeah, you can yeah we can say, say anything. Okay. Um, how do you not get hard? And so here's the deal. I'm worried about the lighting. Right. I'm worried about what they're doing, what their face is doing, the pose. I'm worried about whether the props are, you know, in the right place. Yeah. I'm sometimes like on my stomach, it like jammed up against the wall or I'm like crouching down with like a foot over there. And I've got, you know, a, I don't know how much my camera weighs, but like if the 7200 lens is on it, it's like eight or nine pounds of, and it's like, you're holding it with one hand and you're trying to direct them with the other. And there is so I'm sweating sometimes uh, on these shoots because I'm, it's just me on them. I generally, I've had assistant on one shoot, which was for an underwear uh, campaign, but generally it's just me and the model. And so I'm doing everything except for being in front of the camera. Right. And, there is no blood left in my body to go to my dick if <laughs> I am worried since I'm worried about everything right. else. Like I did it all in my head and in my hands and in my feet. Um and also it's not about that. Like I, I want the models to always like number one thing is I want them to feel comfortable. And I tell them beforehand, I'm like, look, I'm a professional photographer. I will never inappropriately touch you ever. And if I need to move something on you, this is what I will say, permission to approach the bench or something. Right. Because they have to feel comfortable. They have to feel like this isn't anything other than what it is, which is a photo shoot. Because there is a power dynamic there that, that people can take advantage of. And so there's no, like, I, it's sexy, but it's also like there's so much going on outside of like the image, you know what I mean, that I'm worried about. Right. So if the model gets aroused, that's great. Then that means, you know, we're doing the right – we're doing something right if that's what they want. It's not necessary. Right. Um, and I don't tend to – I don't really shoot a lot of erections. Right. Uh, but – Yes. Nothing, you have no problem with them. You don't have anything against her. No, no, I don't have anything against them. It just, it turns the photo in it for me, like an erect dick turns it into porn almost automatically depending like 90% of the time. Yeah. You know, even if it, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's fine for, it's fine for yeah. some, some shoots and, yeah. and depending on where they want them to go. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm like, I'm much more worried about what their face is doing than what their dick is doing. Um, you have your Hollywood Bruisers account on Instagram. Yeah. What is Instagram meant for you as a photographer, personally or professionally? Well, um, professionally, not as much as personally. Interesting. So 
So my my real I say real work. Let's put that in quotes. My regular work is not based off of Instagram. That's right. that's that's outside real world contacts. Um, but the Hollywood Bruisers page um, was you know I started it just for fun. And it grew and it's been growing. And, you know, I don't have that many followers compared to a lot of people, but I have, like, I have awesome people who comment and write me, you know, DMs on everything. And they're so nice. And, you know, some of them I've sort of like struck up friendships with just over the past year. The pandemic certainly was, you know, there was a lot of Instagramming going on. Um, And so I think, I guess professionally, I don't think I would have had a show without Instagram. Right. I never would have thought that I would have like any, no. So in that regard, it's been fantastic. On on what's the fine art side, which I never look at my work and think it's art. You know what I mean? I, I see myself as a commercial photographer. So it's hard to wrap my head around people thinking that, you know, this should be on a wall and it's, humbling and it's beautiful and I'm flattered and I'm so just gobsmacked every time. I don't know. I get an email from someone saying, I love your work. It's so beautiful. Or, you know, you, I always like people have said, I always know when it's yours. And you do have a thing and I love it. And I've been on the other side of it. I've been photographing you. You have a thing you get. It's a little touch. Like you could see a nice setup and I'm like, nope, that's Gabriel would have to give it a little goose, like a little something. And it's, and it's always sexy. It's always evocative. It's always like, is there something juicy about it? The wetter, like you want to lick, you kind of want to lick your phone sometimes. Um, so I love love that because like, you know me and I'm like, like, I'm just in the goofy box, right? That's where I live. Like that emoji where like the tongue sticking out of the Uh, like that's my resting face. Right. Um, So it is. And I, and I, every time I do a shoot, I'm like, is this sexy? I don't know. Yeah. It is to me, but I don't know if. Yeah. Because I see so much. I mean, Instagram, I see so many pictures and, and I, I'm i like, that's what modern sexy is. And I look at my pictures and I'm like, it doesn't look like that at all. It's your own thing, what you're doing. And it's really cool. When when they're like, we're going to do a gallery show, what goes into it that you weren't thinking? Like, oh, we got to mount them. We got to frame them. We got to, what are we going to serve? Like, it's a lot, right? It's a lot. Um, it, I think the biggest thing was curating it and figuring out how to like put on a show that has a theme and it has an idea. It's cohesive. Um, yeah. Uh, a mutual friend of ours, Scott Roberts, um, he helped me uh, curate it. And um, when I first pulled a bunch of images together, he's like, these are all great, but you have like three different shows here. Like, what's the story you're trying to tell me? What are you, what are you trying to say with like, narrow it down? What's the theme? And that was probably the hardest part. And again, I've I've done none of this before. I have printed maybe four photos from Hollywood Bruisers for people who, you know, wanted to buy my images. Yeah. I had never, like, taken a group of images to a printer and printed it out and then taken it to a framer and then figured out the sizing of it. Yeah. It's, um, it was a little overwhelming at first and I was very stressed out and, um... I now that they're all at the framers and like uh, I have to reprint one image because there was um, some dust marks on it. Um, I feel a little more like I'm now I'm getting excited. Yeah, uh, but I'm also very nervous. I wish I could be there for the opening in oh. Provincetown. I'd walk around with a drink and kind of. Oh, what do you think of the piece? And then you know, <laughs> what are you going to wear? Do you have an outfit? Uh, no, but I I am going to get some clothes yeah. because as you know I am. I have terrible fashion sense. No, you always look, you're so striking and you always look so handsome. Um, when you're going through and picking, is there a, there's a yes pile, there's a no pile, there's a maybe pile. Like, what is it that you're looking for? You're, you're trying to tell a story, I guess. Yeah. So, well, originally, no, I, originally I was just pulling images that I liked. Right. And, and I put them all together and there were like some black and white nudes that were sort of more classic sort of style and then there was like my sort of over the top stuff but then there was the kind of um tom of finland stuff right which are very hot thank you that's a really fun gig yeah Um, and that's when scott was like okay you need to narrow this down and originally it was going to be called something else 
And when I started realizing, okay, what's the first show? What do I want it to be? I was just drawn to, you know, the mustache era, if you will. Right. And I started thinking about like what those, cause a lot of these pictures, uh, I would say maybe 80% of them I had already done. And I thought what these all have, there's like a common theme to them. And that is, you know, me going back to those little seeds of desire that were planted in my gay brain before they sort of blossomed into the tree of lust that I have now. Right. In head. Um, and that's how I came up with coming of age. And then that's from that sort of title. I kind of curated to that. Right. You, you picked the pictures that resonate yeah, with that. And, and sort of like yeah. mixed and matched until it sort of felt like a cohesive story. Yeah. Uh, that that had a through line. The image that you use for the poster is yes. one of my favorites. The guy's kind of got the those bigger ears that I like, and he's got the yeah. stash. Why did you yeah. choose that as the main image? Scott chose that. Scott chose that. It's, it's it works. Like Scott was like, if you don't use this picture as the image, then you're then you're dead to me. <laughs> yeah, he was very adamant. The thing is, though. I, the minute he said it, I was like, okay. But he also went on a 10-minute explanation of why it was so great. And it, and there was a lot of things that he hit on that subconsciously are things that I think about. I love eye contact. When I photograph people, Yeah, I love them looking at camera. I don't necessarily want the guys that I shoot to be passive objects that people just look at. Right. I want them to sort of be confrontational of like a little dare of like, okay, so you're looking at me. Yeah. Are you going to look me in the eyes? Are you going to look me somewhere? You know, right. I love... I love faces, and so I kind of want to see people's face, you know? Yeah. Um, and he just went on about the image, and it was also, it's kind of one of the most, um, it's one of the least posed, and it's one of the most sort of just relaxed of all of my images. Um, I know the model personally, and there was definitely like, um, just a, an element of trust that he was giving to me. Right. And also an element of confidence and um, an openness to his face. And it just felt like an image that you had to, like, you have to look at him. It's very he's come hither. So, he's so handsome. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, he's delightful. Yeah. So, and so there's, and there's frontal nudity in this image, which you, for yeah, there's poster. not a lot of, there's right. not a lot of frontal nudity. Um, uh, the, I, I had a bunch more, but I asked the uh, I asked Eric, who owns the gallery, who runs the gallery. I said, "Do nudes sell?" And he said, "You know, nudes get people in the gallery, and they talk about it, and then they stare at it, and they talk about it, and they stare at it. But at the end of the day, they're like, yeah, but what if my mom comes to visit?' Yeah, I'll take and the one like, in the speedo. Right? Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting little tidbit about gay gallery life. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? fashion trend would you love to see come back because you think it's sexy i'll go first oh, okay I lo- i'm happy that short shorts are coming back or like the short lengths are higher like cargo shorts are not happening yeah i welcome that i was big into 70s disco clothes like angel flight pants which i can't imagine coming back because they're so costumey now but yeah. that aesthetic man if i were going to do a show like this like coming of age show that would it would be all over it yeah oh my god what's yours <laughs> Doja Cat's Say So video. Yes, that dude. At the end, at the end where she's wearing like that like yes. silver jumpsuit and they're all in those disco clothes. I, during the pandemic, I must have watched that about 40 times because I was just obsessed with the clothing and, that and the I, visuals of that. Oh, I love it. Um, I have to go back and look again. Yes, you will love it. Um, crop tops. You I like I a crop like top. I, I am obsessed with crop tops. Um and and the socks, the, the tube uh, socks, tube socks with the with the colored stripes on them. Yeah, um, love that. And um, dolphin shorts. I was all about those. They were so yeah. hot. Izod, you know, like yeah. uh, with the collar up, a pop collar. Yes. Interesting. It's so bad though, but I don't know. I think you know those are like those are like my young formative years. Right. Well, there's friend. something confident about it's a, a gesture. I'm going to put my collar up. I'm saying something, right? I um, don't know if you're saying the right thing anymore, though. <laughs> I, I think you yeah. might just be saying I'm a douche. I don't know. There's an image in your collection in your gallery show that I love. I don't. I call it bike wreck because it looks like a guy was in a bike wreck. And okay, he's so cool. hot, and the body yeah. language, it's so, he's like tied up in a knot in the bike. Tell me about the that bike. image. 
Okay. So um, the model, um, again, this was coming from him. I said, what are your hobbies you like to do? Biking was one of them. So we did a whole bike shoot. Right. Um, we had not met in person before. Um, and we just got on great. And it was one of those shoots where um, it started out very, you know, PG. And then it kept sort of escalating. And at one point, like, he was on the bike basically naked. And I was like, I'm going to keep going backwards. Is that okay? And he just sort of took, because I would have been able to see his, you know, butt. Yeah. And other things. And he kind of, like, looked back at me and he made this face, like, yeah. And it just kind of went from there. And that, so that particular shot was, there was a mix of emotion on his face that was epic. It was, like, excitement. And um, a thrill of, like, showing off and a little bit of embarrassment and a little bit of curiosity and a little bit of, like, just not sure but also, like, being really excited about it. And it was really fun. And that image, I don't know. It was just, like, I just was, like, I'm going to put the bike on top of you. And it comes from – the whole thing comes from – the very first porn I ever saw was called Spokes. Oh, yeah. Do you know it? Yes, of course. And Spokes (laughs) 2. But Spokes Spokes 1 is so much better than Spokes 2. Yeah, they they were, like, having some initiation in the hay place. And he's like, biggest dicks dicks of any bike club in this city. Right. Yes, it was was bikers. And so that's where the whole, like, idea came from. And once I, like – once we settled on that, we were going to do them with a bike – and that was kind of where, like, in my brain. That's where uh, you went. Yeah, that's where I went. I do I, love that picture of, of him. I think it's I think it's lovely the way it's, like, body and bike. And- well, it's the, the, the lines of his body mixed with the bike and the, the composition is really cool. I like it. Um, and then you don't sort of notice that he's erect. You have like to look close. I'm like, is that, a, yeah. is that a lock on the bike? No, that's not. That's Yeah, you have to look a little closer. Yeah. yeah, I love it. All right. I'm going to ask you some photo-themed or celebrity-themed questions from my observation deck. Um, describe a favorite photograph that you are in. Is there a favorite photograph that you're in? You photograph very well, by the way. Probably my um, 32-year-old student self-portrait. Um, you did a self-portrait. Yeah, it was my first um, self-portrait for class at Art Center, um, and it was basically um, a recreation of the 40-year-old virgin uh, poster, and I've got this expression on my face like... I remember that image. You nailed it. And I just, I don't know, that's like, that's me, and and I kind of love that. Also, there's one of me holding Luguru, which is my stepdog. Right on. Um, and he just has the sweet little face. I'm in a suit, and I I love that photo of the two of us. Yeah. I love it. Have you ever been starstruck? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say more about it? Um, well, honestly, every uh, every celebrity that I photographed, I was a little starstruck with. Um, I I honestly think Kate Blanchett was just I I just freaked the fuck out. Well, she seems almost like royalty in a way, but really cool. Oh, and the time that I almost hit Ryan Reynolds with a with a C-stand in the Beverly Hills, the Four Seasons Hotel in Beverly Hills. He was coming out of the elevator. We were bringing our gear into the elevator, and I was talking to my assistant, and I turned around, and he is tall. By right. Me. He's like 6'2", I think. And the leg of the C-stand probably missed him by, you know, two or three feet. And I just stopped, and I was like, whoa. And it was Ryan Reynolds right there, and yeah. he was doing Best Junket for... Because I was photographing the director of his movie with Jason Bateman called The Change-Up. Yeah. And I just froze, and yeah. And that happened. And that um, happened. What's a photograph of you that you hope no one ever sees again, ever, ever, ever? I have one. I'll go, I'll go first while you're thinking. There's okay. a picture of me in my high school yearbook when I was on the golf team. Yeah. And I am trying to get out of a water trap or a sand trap. In other words, I'm not in a good place on the course. Yeah. I'm probably in the sand trap or whatever. Yeah. I've got um, two shirts, like a Steve Bannon shirt over a shirt. I don't know. My okay. tongue is sticking out because I'm yeah. concentrating. Yeah. And I and I kind of have a gut. It's just not a good look. It's not. There's a lot going I don't on. I see this photo. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know. We can trade. We it, can trade privately. Okay. It wasn't a great day on the links. For Hensley. Um, but, yeah, that's the one that comes to Wait, mind. And it's have you had a great day on the links before? N- no, not really. I never got that good at golf. 
But a few days. I, I had moments for sure. Yeah. yeah. But that just wasn't one of your moments. No, I quit. Mm golfing after my senior year of high school because i did so badly at the state tournament that i could i i couldn't face it again like at the state tournament each team takes five golfers and and the bottom score is eliminated so the only the top four scores are are counted i was the bottom score as for our team so i should not even have gotten on that van there's no point to me existing But the agony of defeat was real. It's real. And also the thing with golf is you can do good one day and the next day totally suck and not be able to. And there's no rhyme or reason. Isn't that true with anything, though? Golf more than almost anything. Oh, really? Just in terms of as a physical skill, as like a. Yeah, I think that's why the people that love it, love it. They they keep trying to conquer it, get better. I I wonder how they factor in like wind, you know, wind ratios and stuff. Yeah. I, I, I clearly don't know, or if I had known that, maybe my score would have counted for something. But here's another theory. This is a sidebar, but it's okay because it's fun to hang out with you. Yeah. Um, at the time of the state tournament, the bad boy of our school, Wayne, asked yeah. me if I would hold pot for him um, because he didn't trust himself not to smoke it before graduation. And he, know was, he knew I was a good boy, so he yeah. could trust me with his pot. So I hid it in the trunk of my car. And the yeah. whole time I was at the state tournament, I think I was worried about the pot in my car and that I was... A, oh, your head wasn't in the my game. Head was in the game. My head was in the trunk with Wayne Graham's pot. Oh, my God. And, you're like, wait a minute. Am yeah. I a drug dealer right no, now? No, it's what true. I, am I a drug dealer? And slice. Like, yeah, it's true. And also I would do it all again because I loved being... The good boy that the bad boy could trust. You love being his drug deal? I, I, I was Maria Full of Grace. <laughs> you were the bad boy's drug deal. I know, I know, I know. That's it's so exciting. Thing. Is that the only time you've broken the law? Pretty much. No, I, I, sure, I'm, a, I'm a good boy. I, I like, I like yeah. keeping rules and stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Have you thought of a photo that you would like to not yeah. see again? What yeah. do you got? Um... I want to say it was 1996, Halloween. I dressed up as Tank Girl. Um, <laughs> it's the only time I've ever done drag. Right. And I was wearing, like, four pairs of fishnets that were cut up different. I had on these huge biker boots. I had the tiniest, tightest shorts that I think my friend Huey had hand-sewn. There were, like, um, buttons all over it and patches and things. And then a crop top, which was, like, par- partly mesh. And I had, like, put in you know, something for boobs. And then I had this little tight jacket that had um, some huge, um, I don't even remember what it said on the back. I had a gun, like a, like a toy water gun that had a toothbrush on it. That's taped to it. And I was right. like, brush before you shoot, that sort of stuff. And it was, and then I had a helmet with horns on it and then pigtails and then goggles and then a cigarette. Like I, it was, you like, went all the way. I went all the way and I look terrifying <laughs> like like when they talk about you know just people who shouldn't do drag i'm in that category interesting like, i could not pull it off to yeah. my nose prevents me ever from doing drag but right. like i and it was funny but i don't want anyone to yeah you that. look at it and go mm, yeah all right i understand I in my 20s you know we all made mistakes you went for it though and i think that's the important thing I did. All right. I really did. Let's remind people how they can see your work and if they happen to be in Provincetown, what they need to do. Do they need to make a reservation? They can just go yeah. see the gallery. So the gallery is the E. Lash Gallery um, yeah. in the Fisherman's Wharf. Um, and then the opening is um, August 12th, which is a Friday. Uh, I believe the I will be there um, all day, actually. But the artist reception is 630 to 930. Uh, the E. Lash Gallery in Provincetown on August 12th. And then if they want to see these photos, they can go to at Hollywood underscore bruisers. And that is my... Instagram account for Hollywood Bruisers. This has been really fun, Gabriel. I'm really um, impressed and proud that you're doing your gallery show. I think it's going to be very fun. I wish I could be there. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. This is my first podcast, and I'm glad I got to do it with you. You pop my podcast, Jerry. Really? I like that. All right. I'll take it. Um, Final question. Why do you take pictures? Because I kind of have to. I... The world is so insane, and it's just, it kind of is the thing that calms me because I get to shoot the world, I get to photograph the world the way I see it, the way I want to see it, Um, and I get to photograph these people the way in my head, and so it's like getting the stuff in my head outside, and so, I don't know, it's, 
it's the thing that makes me happiest, honestly. And that's why I have to take pictures because it makes me happy. And it took, it took a while to get to this point. And I remember my dad, when I was starting out, my brothers, one of my brothers is a lawyer. One of my brothers is a doctor. Right. And they both are kind of miserable in their jobs. And my dad said, don't measure success by how much money you make. Because I wasn't making any money at the time. He said, measure it by how happy you are doing this thing. And that always stuck with me. And honestly, I, I loved when I was doing magazines. I loved creating in- instinct. It was one of those things in my life that I will forever cherish. But photographing people and seeing the joy on their faces and creating this visual of them and, and sort of taking the thing in my head, the vision in my head and putting it out there is, is magic to me. It's like creating magic. When is the moment when it's most palpable, that feeling? When you look at the finished image or when it's happening in front of you? It's when it's happening and you, and you know, and, and it's like, I usually shoot tethered, which means I'm photographing and then the image comes to my computer. Right. Unless I'm in a really, really weird location. And I just know when I'm getting the thing from the model and I... All of my attention is always on the model, right? Except when I'm like sort of doing light tests and figuring out, you know, how. But every once in a while, I just look over instead of looking at the back of my camera, I look at the monitor, and I just know that I got it. And the model knows too because they can see it on my face because I go from like this to, you know, I get really excited, <laughs> and my face is. I go to this twelve year old right. who's like, "Oh my god, I just won the biggest, you know, stuffed animal at right. the." At, uh, at the fair. Um, and they know and they can feel it. And then they deliver even more because they're getting the feedback. Right. You captured something magical. Yeah. I photographed some people who they said that, that they photographed with photographers and the photographer doesn't say anything. So they have no idea what they're doing. And they're like, just seeing your face. I know I'm doing a good job. Like even if I didn't say anything to them, just the reactions that I'm giving on with my face, they know that it's working. Um, well, yeah. I look at a photo that you took every day because the photo, the photo that you took for if we took a holiday with uh, Nadia and oh, me, yeah. it's in my bathroom and I see it every day. And oh. I, I'm constantly kind of amazed by that photo because... That was, in our, that was in my uh, living room, wasn't right. it? Right. It was in your living room in, in Studio City or, or North Hollywood. Yeah. But the look on Nadia's face is perfection. And I like the way my face looks. Like and the, the shape of this is complementing that. Like It's yeah. just like nothing about it I would change. And I was like, I just captured a moment. And, um, and I, I love looking at it when I... When I think oh. about that time, so I'm so happy. That and then me. I flush the toilet and go on with my day. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, those were yeah, the days. No, I know what. Well, they were. So anyway, <laughs> have a Madonna back then. Have a blast in Provincetown. I'm really excited for you. And um, everyone, if you're in P-town, go see Gabriel's show. This has been a blast, Gabriel. Thank you so much, Dennis. I, I loved it. It was wonderful. Thank you. Good to see you. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Gabriel Goldberg. Check out his show if you're in Provincetown. It's called Coming of Age, and you can learn more about that at his Instagram, Hollywood Bruisers. Uh, you'll also do a deep dive and just keep scrolling and scrolling because it's so delicious. All right, so this happened. Outfest happened in July, and I want to do a recap of some of the things that I saw so you can keep an eye out for them. Um, I saw a lot of stuff, and I had a great time. It was a really great festival. So nice to be out with people, seeing things, connecting, laughing, crying, all of it. Um, opening night started out with a bang. It was Billy Porter's debut feature called Anything's Possible. It's a love story set in a high school between a trans girl and a, um, and a cis boy. And it was lovely and sweet and very fresh. A really great script. Because I think with teen kind of love stories or teen stories with, with uh, queer folks... A lot of times the conflict is somebody's gay and somebody isn't going to accept it. Or somebody's trans and somebody can't accept it. And we've seen that conflict a lot. So I like that that isn't really the conflict in this story. There's other conflicts. And I found that very fresh and interesting. The performances are wonderful. You really root for those kids, those two crazy kids, to make it work. Um, And Billy's direction is wonderful. So it's currently... 
streaming, I believe, on Amazon Prime. So you can watch it at home. It's called Anything's Possible, and it was a great way to start out the festival. I also saw another gym called Unidentified Objects. It's a road uh, movie with a kind of sci-fi twist um, between a gay little person and uh, a neighbor of his that's a, a woman, a desperate woman on a mission, and they go on this road trip together and it's really original and unique and I loved hearing from the filmmakers at the Q&A afterward talking about how this came out of uh, desperation in the pandemic they 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 lost their their jobs and needed to do something and they're like let's make a movie and they they did and it's beautiful so keep an eye out for unidentified objects um the closing night movie was a, a horror movie called they them from john logan who is a very successful screenwriter it's his directorial debut and um it's a horror movie set at a a conversion camp for uh queer kids and it really flips the script on uh, what we usually think about with those kind of settings and the cast is dynamic and um i really had a good time watching it and there's a scene in the middle with a a pop song and let's just say i was a puddle by the end of it um so watch for that that's on peacock i believe um i also saw the 20 25th anniversary 20th anniversary i think it's 20th anniversary of Todd Haynes' Far From Heaven, and Julianne Moore was there for the Q&A along with Todd Haynes and the producer Christine Vachon, and it was so interesting to hear them talk about what they remember making the movie and how it's sort of endured, and um, it was just wonderful. And Julianne Moore's a national treasure. She's delightful. She's got such a fun energy. Like, she's fun. She's got a good sense of humor, but she's very serious about her work, but she doesn't take herself seriously. Just a delight. Um, so that was a real treat to be able to see that on the big screen with those beautiful colors and the wonderful score. And it was just lush and magical. And, you know, I love a good Q&A. Um, I also saw Unconventional, which is the first three episodes of uh, Kit Williamson's new series. He did Eastsiders, and I had him on the podcast a number of years ago to talk about that. This is his new show. It's set in um, Palm Springs and Joshua Tree and... It's sort of an ensemble of these different people, but the connective tissue is Kit's character and his his sister. It's sort of the, these two siblings and their extended love lives and, and all of that stuff. It's very sexy. It's very well observed. It looks great. It made me want to go and dive into a pool and in Joshua Tree and, you know, I don't know, have drama. But um, I look forward to seeing the rest of it. So keep an eye out for Unconventional. And the last thing I saw, except for Closing Night, was a documentary about the director and writer Colin Higgins, who made some of my favorite movies, like 9 to 5 and Foul Play, and he wrote the script for Harold and Maude. And I'd heard his name for years, and I know that we lost him to AIDS, but I didn't know much about his personality. And um, he was a cool dude. He was a nice guy. And I loved hearing that, because I think sometimes some of the talents that you admire their work and then you hear about them and they're like, oh, he was kind of a jerk, but that was his genius or whatever. No, I think Colin was just sweet and open and had a sense of the absurd. Um, and it made me want to go and see everything I hadn't seen of his. I Like, I never saw Silver Streak, I don't think, which he also directed. And there was footage from his memorial where Bud Court spoke and Goldie Hawn spoke and Shirley MacLaine, who he worked with on Out on a Limb. It was just like, I don't know, for that era of Hollywood when I sort of loved those movies, it, it was uh, it, it really touched my heart. And uh, hearing a little bit more about 9 to 5, you can't argue with that because that movie is just one of my favorites. So keep an eye out for all that stuff. It was, it was a great festival, and uh, I can't wait for next year. All right, that's enough for this week. I want to give a shout-out to AJ Sousa for mixing our episodes, also J.B. Bercy for his additional technical support. My theme music is composed by Mark Daniels and licensed through Placement Music. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye!